What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Are you currently in college or recently graduated, but kind of struggling to figure out how to approach your post-grad life? If so, then I have the perfect guide for you, which I created for my college self in mind. That is the Everyday Girl's Guide to Career Success ebook, which features a holistic approach to all things starting out in your career during and after college, from cultivating the right mindset, building your resume, maximizing your LinkedIn profile and network, and so much more. I take you through a personal step-by-step guide on how to prepare for all areas needed when searching for a job. And these were actually many steps that I personally did between my sophomore and senior year of college, as well as the first year out of college. So I always highly recommend to start early to create opportunities for yourself. In this ebook guide, you will find cover letter tips and custom templates available for download, resume building steps with three custom templates, LinkedIn tools, and step-by-step guide on maximizing your profile, top 20 behavioral interview questions, and a lot more. Again, you can find this online at whatfulfillsyou.com. Just make sure when you click shop, just go to all products and you will find the ebook there, or just go to the show notes and it will be linked. Emily Elizabeth, and I'm the host of the What Fulfills You podcast, a show for and about individuals always seeking to be their best selves. On this show, we talk all about building the mindset, finding the right careers, creating meaningful relationships, and so much more. Welcome to the What Fulfills You podcast. everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the What Fulfills You podcast. My name is Emily Elizabeth. I'm your host. And for today's episode, I have on a friend and fellow creator. Some of you guys might have heard of her. Her name is Shelby Church. And a little bit about Shelby. She has been a YouTube content creator for over 10 years, covering everything lifestyle, tech, and business related. She has gained an audience of 1.7 million subscribers and over 100 million total video views. She's also been featured in multiple articles from Business Insider covering YouTube analytics and CPMs. She also has a series on her Airbnb in Palm Springs, which we do talk a little bit on today's episode, showing everything from renovation to the numbers behind the business. It truly was such a fun conversation with Shelby because we got nerdy and ended up talking a little bit about the business banks that we use, uh, credit card hacking, and she's just someone that I know is super savvy and wise with her money. And so we definitely get into 
her approach when it comes to saving and how she spends less when it comes to traveling as well because she travels a lot. So I know you guys will enjoy this episode if you always love learning something new and valuable. So with that being said, let's welcome Shelby to the podcast. Shelby, hello. <laughs> Thank hey. you so much for coming on the podcast. It worked out in such good timing because like you texted me and you were like, hey, you're going to be in New York. And yes. I know we've been trying to do an in-person podcast. Mm-hmm. And I don't know the last time I saw you. It might have been quite a while ago. Quite I think. a while. Probably like, oh, you know, over a year ago. Definitely over yeah. a year. Yeah. So it's a been a while. Yeah. Um, I've been following, keeping up to date. Yeah. You know. Likewise. Love your content. Thank so. you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Well, I want to start off because obviously I know you and I'm sure a lot of listeners have heard of you, but maybe take us back to your early YouTube days because I feel like most yeah. people probably know you from YouTube to some degree. And I feel like it'd be kind of fun to share literally the beginning, how you got into it, when it started to grow, and also just kind of like your journey through your teens and like your early mid-20s with that career. All of that, yeah. Yeah. I started YouTube when I was 14. Me and my sister both did, so I have a twin sister. Yeah. Um, And we really did it out of boredom because where we lived was... We couldn't walk to any of our friends. We had moved to this different neighborhood yeah. where there was, like, no one else our age, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'd do gymnastics and then come back one summer and just be, like, so bored. But I always loved making videos. I saved up, like, yeah. all my money from chores to buy a video <laughs> camera on Overstock.com, I remember. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So Wait, what year was that or around what year? Probably, like, I probably bought that in, like, 2007 or 2008. Wow. Okay. I think 2008, 2009 is when... I started, like, just making videos for fun and editing them, like, in middle school, you know? Yeah, That kind of thing. Little music videos, whatever. I feel like a lot of kids end up doing that. Yeah. And then later become YouTubers. (laughs) Just, you know. Yeah. Um, And then my sister Monica was the one who realized, oh, there's a community of people on here making, like, beauty content. Like, there's Mm -hmm. a whole, a whole, I don't know, a community, really. Yeah, community Um, of people. And they're getting views and you can have some strategy to it. Like there are certain videos that do better than others. Mm -hmm. And so she had done a like how to curl your hair video and forgot about it. And then realized later it got, I don't know, 100,000 views or something. Wow. We're like, whoa, we we should make videos like this. Like this is really cool. Plus we were getting into hair and makeup, like going into high school. Okay. I loved watching those videos and buying. It was like so exciting to go to the mall and buy like a MAC eyeshadow. Oh my gosh. Yes. I remember those days. and. I, that was definitely how I got into YouTube or like more like being a viewer yeah. was watching beauty videos. Yeah, they're fun. Yeah. I love them. They I love so hauls and all of that. So we did that for a long time all throughout high school and made some money from it. Like by the time I was 15, I was probably making, you know, like $400 a month or whatever on AdSense. Um, it was oh. so different back then. Yeah. I can imagine. And then, yeah, by the time I graduated high school, I got my first brand deal for like $1,000 or something and was like, okay, this is interesting and decided to, I went to Orange Coast College. Okay. So kind of near Chapman. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to go to Chapman, but I didn't get into the film school. Actually. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. And so, um, yeah, I went there, which I think worked out because I would have spent a lot of money and probably like had student loans and whatever. Yeah. And yeah. Um, and I took film classes at Orange Coast College, okay. but was just putting a lot of time into YouTube. Okay. It was nice because it's a community college. So you mm-hmm. have a lot of time. There isn't as much of a social life aspect right. at a community college. So it's yeah. like, okay, 
all just keep making videos and meet other YouTubers, all of that. Now that I was in Orange County, it was always the dream to move to California. Yeah. Too, so I was like, oh, okay. so happy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was my dream too. Cause I moved from Pennsylvania to oh, OC yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for college. So yeah, I remember yeah. like, uh, having palm trees in my room right. growing up being like like pictures of them not yeah once yeah how long did you live in california for i feel um, like now it's like kind of did you ever live with other youtubers by any chance uh yeah kind like of in la i'm trying to think yes. i'm like now because i was i didn't i kind of like blanked on the fact that you actually lived in california at mm -hmm. one point but then now i'm thinking wait a second i definitely feel like I've seen you have California content and yeah. maybe it was through like other another YouTuber I was following. I just was like putting because it's like so long ago, though, I know. right? Like it was like long time two <laughs> years ago that I lived there, but I yeah. lived there for eight years because I moved when I was 18. Oh, OK. And then I okay. put my stuff in storage. I was like, oh, I'm going to temporarily leave. Yeah. Um, For like when I was 26 uh -huh. and I haven't come back, although I kind of want to, you know, maybe we'll get into the whole moving thing. Yeah. I'm here in New York deciding, kind of. <laughs> um, but anyway, so it was really in that time of taking film classes, whatever, like the whole YouTube landscape mm -hmm. was growing and I was just trying different strategies. Yeah. And I could see that it was becoming more of an industry because there were like managers and agents and things mm -hmm. and you could... I was living off of it yeah. from when I was 18. Like I moved to California and paid for my own school and apartment and everything from that time, all from YouTube. And oh, it was wow. like modestly, I probably made like $30,000 that first year when I was 18, but oh, like wow. still on YouTube yeah. when you're 18, I was like, whoa, I'm living large. Yeah. I felt like, yeah. yeah. Um, but that's how I got started really and still been doing it, but just changing up my content a lot from back then yeah yeah how has your content changed since then because I know you if I remember correctly you dived into real estate a bit right did you share at one point share real estate content with your sister or yeah. like things around like my cost Airbnb. of living yeah and yeah. Then I know your Airbnb stuff would definitely mm -hmm. get into but like yeah how has that evolved as you've grown and have you seen like a change in your audience and like how you approach sure. yeah like how like how has that looked like especially being like an OG YouTuber yeah <laughs> Back in, say, 2014, that time, it was more of the lifestyle beauty videos I was still making. Right, right. Back to school. A lot of us who made videos in that time called it the saturation era. Okay. Because everyone just upped to the saturation on their videos. And it was it, <laughs> it appealed to younger kids. Yeah. Um, probably in high school or maybe younger even, middle school probably. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and, like, that's fun when you are that age too. But I think for a while... I, and I think a lot of other YouTubers who were doing this at the time, just didn't know what else to make. Yeah. And at that time, YouTube, it seemed like there wasn't an audience for, say, personal finance mm. or whatever. There's a lot more viewers on YouTube now, which yes. is awesome. Yeah. Um, but back then, it was like, okay, comedy videos or you mm -hmm. do beauty videos. But if you uploaded a personal finance video, it would that wasn't a niche yet. Mm. So I don't know if it, mm. if it would have really done well. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so back then it was more the like beauty lifestyle stuff. And then I was kind of like, what am I doing? I sort of went back to school even at one point, yeah. just randomly taking classes again. Cause I was like, I don't, I was like burned out and mm. not sure. Like I didn't love the videos I was making. Mm. Um, so I just started trying new stuff cause mm. they weren't doing as well either. Yeah. Like I went from getting a hundred thousand views a video to 10,000 like huge decrease oh wow it has that been like the thing nowadays too in general where view just getting views is a lot harder than it was like eight years ago or kind of okay on um, youtube specifically i mean yeah i for, feel like, like youtube is I, 
I think it's a little harder now because yeah. short form might yes. be taking some of that. Yeah. Um, but at this time, it was just, I think my viewers were just aging out of the content that I was making. And mm-hmm. I was too. So none of it was really working. So I tried photography videos. I just thought, what am I actually interested in? What yeah. should I, I should just take some risks here because clearly the, the safe bet wasn't doing that well. So yeah. I might as well just try some random video topics and see how they do. Yeah. So I did a lot of photography videos for a while. Um, and then I started doing, I don't even know how I went from photography to other stuff. I just started trying any random thing, I think. Yeah. But um, I found a style that I really liked, which was a more like documentary style, mm. interviewing people, getting a lot of B-roll, doing voiceovers and making it, I don't know, I just approach it as a mini documentary. Okay. I try to sometimes not as much. Like some of the videos are more basic. Yeah. I'm working on one that's just, you know, apartment tours. Yeah. In New York. It's not really a documentary. Right. Right. That's that was kind of once I had that shift, I feel like things really started working mm. and my channel started doing a lot better. Mm. Um, yeah, it felt like things really. Yeah. Yeah. That's- I'm curious, though, because you've been doing and it's so funny. right? I see how like natural you are on camera. Like, how did you <laughs> overcome um, like judging yourself like while filming or like even if you're vlogging on like the streets of New York or something how did you overcome the fear of being judged or like how you looked because I feel like when I tried to vlog like way back when in college and I was like you know playing around with it that was something that I just didn't not not that I didn't enjoy because I think being on camera was fine but I just think like watching myself and editing was like a bit of a cringe but then I felt that way when I was first editing my podcast and I had to hear myself but then I got over it but then the visual part can be a little harder you know what I mean like like, it's just like how do you get over that and then especially get over that in front of other people Mm -hmm. I think that's a big one it's funny because I actually think podcasts feel more cringy to me to edit it's so funny I think you I think we talked about that before because you told me that you don't like editing the podcast my voice yeah yeah, I'm like I don't (laughs) know um okay one thing I think that helped was I was just so young when I started that I didn't even think twice about it (laughs) and it did help that my sister was doing YouTube too. So it was like, okay, we're going to school, but I don't know. It just felt like less, I just, I didn't tell. Less alone? Yeah, I didn't, okay. I didn't really like tell people about it. And then by the time people at my school, for example, found out about it, I had a good amount of subscribers that mm. people were like, oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. So it's like, I always tell people, you don't have to go like putting it on your Instagram day one. If you start a YouTube channel, people probably aren't going to find it mm-hmm. unless you're promoting it on like your personal pages. True. And so, yeah, I think that helps. Like you don't have to put it out there for everyone, although it probably is helpful at the start. Yeah. Um, But yeah, vlogging in public, making videos in public, probably just from doing it for so long like I started just making videos in my room learning how to talk to a camera that way Mm -hmm. of course when I look back at those old videos it's more cringy like (laughs) probably seem more shy in them and like no one's that good on camera at the beginning yeah so that's a good place to start is just like in your room like just like see how you look on camera, edit it yourself. And like, it's cringy, but whatever. You have to know that it's so cringy for everyone at the beginning. Right. And then making videos in public, I don't know. Like, it definitely is uncomfortable at first. Right. I will say New York is like the best place to vlog in public because no one cares. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I would still feel self-conscious filming if I had a tripod and a microphone and I was in a random place in LA I yeah. would feel weird right but here I wouldn't everyone just like walks past because like they, no it's like cares. such a normal in the culture yeah. yeah 
So, but I'll still do it from time to time or I'll have a videographer Mm -hmm. shoot so it doesn't feel like as just, I don't know. I feel like if you're by yourself doing it, it feels a little bit more uncomfortable than if you're with someone. It's like, oh, we're shooting something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I get that. I'm curious how... Did you build longevity in this career path? Like, at what point were you like, okay, I'm going to go all in on YouTube and being a content creator and, like, through maybe sponsorships and, like, AdSense, like, things like that? How did you kind of cultivate almost, like, a strategy behind, okay, this is how I'm going to make money in, yeah. <laughs> in for my career, right? Like, this is what I'm going to do for a living. I feel like a big part of it is just trying to be adaptable yeah because these platforms are always changing and I need to take my own advice here with like short form content I haven't haven't been as good about um but I never had a moment where I had to take a big plunge like drop Mm -hmm. out of school or quit a job I just sort of did things at the same time Mm -hmm. which I think is a fine path to take like there are different ways of doing things there's the like you really take the plunge and you drop out of school, whatever, or do something on the side. Right. And yeah, you might, it's, it's like a lot of extra work because yeah. you're trying to do two things at once. Right. Um, but for me, my risk tolerance is just not about like just fully quitting something like that. Yeah. Um, but really just, I guess it just worked since I had graduated high school mm-hmm. and was in taking those community college classes. Right, right. And I could see how it was growing too. Okay. Um, I feel like though you were probably wise with your money. If I feel like just yeah. from observing and we'll probably dive into like you getting that place in Palm Springs and then I've, you rented out on Airbnb too, yeah. right? Yeah. I feel like these are obviously, and I, I'm, I'm certain that you're like savvy with like finances and real estate. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I forget who I was talking about this with the other day, but just, it was Natalie actually. Oh, we, were, funny. we were just talking about the fact that uh, full transparency, I think uh, the average 26, 25 year old, male or female in the u.s right now has little to no idea on like half of these things from Mm -hmm. like finance like financial literacy or even like the difference between a 401k and a roth ira or like different reasons on why you should like rent versus like buy and like different benefits of like buying and like flipping a home and just like different things like that and like we're all very young but natalie and i were kind of like yeah, it's a little concerning that not many people actually know these things and actually do these things to prepare. But, like, I feel yeah. like you guys definitely did it at a young age because, like, when you're making that much money at 18, mm-hmm. 30K for 18 is a lot. For you know sure. what I mean? Most people at 18 don't even have a job because most of them are in school. Yeah. So, like, you probably had to learn, I'm assuming, uh, how to be, like, savvy with, like, what you were gaining, right? Like, how did you kind of manage that part? Yeah, I've always just been more of a saver than a spender. Right. Which yeah. is part I feel of like you're you are more of a minimalist minimalist, right? Like kinda. with yeah. I mean I did nomad life for like six months, which yeah. is hard, but <laughs> it's hard. um yeah, I that's part of why like the thought of moving to New York is hard for me because you spend so much more than right. somewhere else. But um when I was eighteen I wasn't as in the know of that stuff. It was okay. more of just like, okay, just you know, be conscious of not ever spending more than you make kind of thing. Totally. Um, I knew, oh, I should probably invest, but I don't think I necessarily had then. Luckily, I did have a tax person give me advice and like start a 401k and stuff like yeah. pretty early with that. Right. Um, I got way more into it probably when I was like 22 or 23. Like I sense. started investing. But that's still early. really early for yeah. like if you think about like the average person. Yeah. Most people 
don't even do like that on their own and if they do have something like most of the time at that age it's often through parents or like someone that had help them get that started and versus like knowing exactly what you're doing on your own, like taking money that you've made, which again, to be fair, not many have made that much at 22, Mm -hmm. but to take that, be responsible with it and not like overspend it and then actually invest it or do a lot of things like you did, which was like buy a place and actually like, you know? Yeah. No, it's like so cool how now we have so much more information. Mm -hmm. Shout out Graham, Stefan and all of them. Like I watch a lot of personal finance content. Mm -hmm. Which is great because my parents are, like, you know, fine with their money and stuff, but they're not financial advisors. Right. And I've learned so much just on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And I do think it's really important. And one thing I think is interesting is whenever I make a video that's more about investing or personal finance, it's it's a lot more guy viewers. Mm. And that makes me sad. Yeah. Because I'm like, oh, come on, girls. Right. But a lot of girls do invest, but, like, I feel like if that number could go up yeah for sure yeah um mm-hmm. but I mean a lot of it I've just learned online and mm-hmm. even things like I know a lot of people are afraid to just simply check their bank account but it's mm-hmm. so good to just get yourself comfortable with doing that yes I don't have like a really super strict budget but I look at my bank account a lot I like I look at the stock market this a lot yes, yeah yes, like yes, anytime yes. it's red I'm like oh I'm gonna put some more money in like I don't know. It's being aware of it and seeing how that can change your life. But even with real estate, like I didn't even know I'd be able to buy a house. Like sometimes it's hard to be like, oh, can I? How much do I need to make to do that? But there's a lot of content out there with that now. Like I didn't even realize at the time when me and my sister bought a townhouse in Seattle. Mm -hmm. And I was like, can we afford that? What? But she had kind of become friends with this real estate agent Mm -hmm. and realized like, oh, we can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Although now housing is a lot different than in yes. 2019. Right, right. Which is crazy. But yeah. yeah, I'm just trying to share what I learned though. Totally. Yeah. Were there any basic, or actually maybe a better way to say it, like do you have any basic tips on like maybe it's even the savviness of different credit cards or different bank accounts that you would, you remember that you used or you tried out in the beginning days that just kind of helped you get into like for for anyone listening like a lot of my listeners are young girls yeah. who are like you know what you're right I want to become more savvy mm-hmm. and I want to actually open a bank account with a bank that's actually better for for like to put my money in there for example or like a credit card that is more worthwhile to use you know like there's just a lot of those things that people I know it's often actually only learn through like the female influencers they listen to right or like they're female podcasters and like it's not like they're going to listen to the same guy uh male investors or like male youtubers that like Mm -hmm. we might listen to but i think it's like passing on that knowledge but yeah i'm curious if if you have any that come to mind that are like good stepping stones yeah i do have favorite account like i try a lot of different like credit cards and accounts just to stay in the know of which i like yeah um i found i really like sofi okay um and i've worked with them before but like this isn't like a sponsored thing right i just really like it and i use it personally Mm -hmm. because you can invest all within the same app so it's really really? convenient yeah and they have a high interest savings account yeah the biggest thing really is if you're with one of the the biggest banks Mm -hmm. they are most likely going to offer you a very 
very low uh like savings yes like that rate. yeah exactly yeah, yeah. It'd be like 0.01 percent it's so bad yeah because yeah, I, I moved my money i remember once i was like reading remit sethi have you mm. heard of him yeah yeah. yeah 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 and he in his book it was about like putting your I savings that yeah, yeah, book, yeah yeah in like the high yield savings account yeah. and so i moved my money and like he had his recommendations i moved mine to capital one account that's a good one yeah too, yeah, yeah, yeah right so it's just stuff like that that like for me, reading that was like aha moments, and I'm like hoping some people like have these aha moments too. But yeah, you said SoFi. Yeah, okay. SoFi is a good one, but it's like really any of them. It's usually the banks that are more online because True. the ones that have physical branches they have so much overhead. Yes. Although I did hear that Chase offers some kind of high interest savings account now. So right. just looking for a high interest savings account, it's like easiest way you can put your money somewhere to actually be earning a little bit even yeah. though it's not a ton it's like better four percent yes yeah yeah better better than like the big banks so because i remember yeah. i used to have it mine in um a wells fargo yeah and once i saw the comparison old. i was like oh my gosh but then like most people don't know any better yeah. especially if that's like your first bank account or if that's what your parents told you whatever you know what i mean so yeah. i think sometimes it's the research but also business banks too i feel like this is a good one for mm -hmm. fellow entrepreneurs listening mm -hmm. do you have a favorite like business bank i do okay. mercury oh really yeah it's so <laughs> Wait, good why? Um, i recently have you tried novo uh, yeah i use that for my palm springs oh okay yeah. okay so but look I at actually, us like <laughs> i like them both okay um but i don't think novo offers a high interest thing do they no I, so i don't yeah. i don't have a savings with them i yeah. only have it as like my business bank like yeah. checking account yeah um and again, that's all like research-based stuff. But I feel like I remember at one point, maybe like last year or something, you, I saw you posting about... Which at, yes, yes, right? I, I was getting recommendations. So many people were like, Mercury. And okay. the interface is so good. It's so you can send... <laughs> You can do wire transfers for free. They just do everything right. And they have a treasury account. And so I keep most of it in there. Okay. Um, so it's similar to a high interest savings account. Okay. It's pretty much the same thing um Mercury. but is that yeah. known to be really like highly used by entrepreneurs or yeah. like small business owners things like that you know how like they market oh yeah a certain it's a big one for startups okay that's what they mostly market to okay. but you can be a youtuber content creator whatever it's a business bank account not really a personal one right so this is definitely for like freelancers out there yeah. who need because this is one of those things where my first business bank account was wells fargo yeah and i literally did a whole revamp like a year and a half ago That's or so good but yeah when yeah. i was like what am i doing like this stuff needs to be moved i need like a more you know what i mean but like it was only through reading and like listening to tim ferris and like all these guests that he yeah. had and remit sethi was one of them and i'm like i need to move my stuff around totally yeah, yeah. because it's like something like wells fargo go like the interface isn't even good everything I'm yeah not to fully hate on them maybe they'll get it together yeah one day, but yeah mercury I really and like also there's there. usually a minimum right so for mm -hmm. anyone that needs or wants to separate their personal and like business account but let's say like they they're not they know that they're not going to always keep I don't know three hundred dollars and there were five hundred because it's still so new that's a factor too I think like especially if you are doing a startup or something that's going to not always have the minimum in it. Mm -hmm. I think that's why these bank accounts are also better. I remember reading that because I was looking for certain things when I was starting new things. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, like like different aspects. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so Mercury doesn't require a minimum in there because you know how like remember. Wells Fargo charges you if you don't have like, I think for their business account at least, like I think it's a minimum 500 or 300 in oh. the account. So you know how you get charged a fee, right? Mm -hmm. We're going all like savvy here, but like, right? But yeah, no, that's like the stuff that Mercury, I feel like. Mercury, like I don't get charged any fees. Okay. Like, they're just... They're really good. Yeah. I do love them. Yeah. 
Um, but also investing in, it's like, okay, a high, in, a high interest savings account is great. That's but fun, a yeah. lot of people will use that for their emergency fund because 4%, it's not like you're getting 4% every month. Right. It's APY. So right. you're getting 4%, 4 or 5% or whatever it is over the course of a year. Yeah. So if you have $100,000 in there, you'll get $4,000 over the course of the year. Right. So calling it 4% makes it almost sound better than it is. It's like you're really getting like point oh some not even a full percent every month you yeah know? yeah um so yeah that's something but it's definitely a good spot to keep an emergency fund something like that in i agree and one agree. thing i'll say is like it's intimidating to get your finances together but it feels so good it after. feels so good you're like oh my I, yes. god i have my life together like yes. you just feel like secure mm -hmm. i would say mm -hmm. so highly recommend recommend it yeah it's just intimidating to get started yeah but I, and i think the problem is too right and i heard this on another show like women don't often talk about like we go out to dinners but what do we really talk about well we're never going to talk about finance or like credit yeah. cards or what credit card you're using i definitely right? do more than the average person yeah okay well but... i mean right but then it's like also like that's what i'm saying i and you and i and like again yeah. i'm talking about this with natalie too but it's like the common denominator is that we're all entrepreneurs yep. and then we kind of have to manage our own finances and i think it's like us encouraging other young girls to be aware of these things because i think if you think long term, this is my personal perspective, but if you are a female and you are savvy and independent with your own finances, you're later on, you have a lot more options in terms of like the power to decide not because of financial reasons, whether you stay in a relationship or things like that, right? Because that yeah. ends up being the case where I have some older girlfriends and that is kind of the position they're in. That's where, tough. Right. And it's super tough, but they'll acknowledge it out loud and they'll kind of tell me like, shit, I wish I did a more of your approach when you know a few years back because they were maybe like having a lot of fun and spending on their credit card and mind you I think we've all you know skewed in different spectrums of that right but I think it's a matter of the sooner you know the better mm -hmm. right so like a lot of my listeners are like on average like they're 23 24 years old right now and they're like yeah. could be realizing like oh shit you know because it's, it's harder when you hit like 27 and then you're still in that position right like so if you're listening to this and you're in your early 20s and you do this now you're gonna be in a lot better position when, yep. four years from now I think the best thing is just building the habit of it yeah so even if you're only investing like five dollars a month in the stock market mm -hmm. then mm -hmm. you have skin in the game you're checking it and it doesn't whatever is the easiest way to do it like I don't there's a lot of apps and ways mm -hmm. you can do it like mm -hmm. I have my favorite ways but even something like Robinhood it's mm -hmm. like probably the easiest yeah one for people to get started I think it's just important to just start building those habits because yeah. then you're more likely when you get paid a mm -hmm. sum of money to mm -hmm. invest it, that kind of thing. Yeah. And then once you start seeing some returns, it is more motivating. Yeah. And you're like, oh, you think about it like, okay, do I want this? Like I've said no to trips. I mean, I don't know. It's like live your life, but I go on a lot of trips. I'm like, I don't need to be traveling all the time. And right. I've, I've said no to more because I'm like, okay, I just know I'm going to spend a lot of money and like. I don't need to do that and felt good about it. Okay. So, like I'm looking at yeah. all my finances, but yeah. I definitely spend on trips too. Right. How, like what are some basic things that you've done in the past or maybe even now that it helped you with maybe budgeting or being more mindful with your money? Or for example, something I learned through Remit Sethi was like having 
um, or setting up those rules in your accounts where like maybe if money's like coming into your checking where there's like an automatic pull into your savings or it automatically transfers to like an IRA or, or investment account. You know what I mean? Yeah. Things like that, like that makes it like less of a, I have to think about this. Mm-hmm. And that's what I like about Novo too. And I don't know if Mercury has this, but um, anytime I have like money coming in to the business bank account, it there's like these, what they call reserves where it mm-hmm. takes out percentage, whatever rule I set. Oh, any cool. right yeah. right it's like so tech forward so like let's say there's like a thousand that comes in and i set up a rule that you set aside i don't know 15 percent for tax right and it, it automatically puts it in like a different little folder mm-hmm. so i don't even see that amount in the account balance i see it in the total balance but in the account balance it shows me everything left after it pulled everything into the reserves oh, and you can have multiple that. reserves so you can have like you know you could and you create the percentage. You can do like uh, one for tax, one for I don't know your rent, uh, like one food, yeah yeah stuff like that. Travel. And it and it helps like break it down for you. That's a good proactive, Re- isn't it? Really cool. Yeah. And then you can take that and like transfer to. So then I'll just take it and transfer to my designated account. So if I had a rule that was set up where it's like ten percent into like my savings, then I take I go into that reserve and then I transfer it to my Capital One high yield savings account. Mm, that's that's cool. right. Yeah, I don't think Mercury has that because it's okay. more just like Ooh. business, I guess. Okay, but I th- there might be. They should be sponsoring this maybe podcast. in the more personal. I know. Yeah. Um, yeah, at least put an affiliate link, right? <laughs> no, but like, it's so funny because in my real life, I have influenced friends to like join these banks now. Right, like more of my friends it's, it's from fun. Seattle have talked yeah. about it, and or yeah. they've they've asked about it so I'm like oh I, I guess I'm influencing because I don't yeah. even think of myself as an influencer but anyway yeah you are <laughs> I think of myself uh, firstly as like video creator yes like, that's producer, true that's true that like, is like okay, I guess that's how I think of you too honestly yeah. yeah um but back to the like best budgeting things I yeah. mean I do think that like habits like yeah you're about habits yeah. it's like making it as easy as possible I yeah. do have the automatic transfer to an investment account okay on. you'd have that okay. yeah I feel like that's the best one because then you're dollar cost averaging in Mm -hmm. if you don't know what that is it's basically you're getting the average of the overall stock market Mm -hmm. I mean I don't like try and mess around with individual stocks or anything like that like I'm just buying into a mutual fund like very basic but I know it's generally this isn't financial advice just what I do right right right. but it's like generally known to be not a super risky way to do it Mm -hmm. especially when you're spacing it out like that yeah and yeah just making that system as easy as possible Mm -hmm. by having it transfer automatically Mm -hmm. but I also will go in if I say do a brand deal or something I have more money coming in than usual Mm -hmm. then I'll put more in manually okay and like I'll have fun with it too where like I do kind of try and time it like yeah I'll look when it's been down like a couple percent because it's so volatile right now yeah yeah in the last few years like it it's not used to be like that but yeah I'll I'll if I'm gonna put a lump sum extra in I'll wait for a red day which is basically where the stock market's down because yeah might as well any given week there's usually at least one red day yeah so I kind of try and do that. And yeah. I found, I'm like, okay, I'm low-key, like, I'm not, like, a trader, but I've made some good moves. Yeah. Although I don't encourage people to do that, but, like, 
yeah. some individual stocks right. just for fun. Right, right. Yeah. And I think if people want to get into that, I think I, I'm sure you probably agree with this too. It's like do your heavy research yeah. and actually understand what you're doing. And I think there are actual experts out there where you can watch and listen to podcasts where there are people. And, and I think a variation is important too, right? Like don't just listen to one guy or one girl mm-hmm. talk about it. Like listen to various people like for on sure. their strategy because sure. there's like a wide range of approaches and I think you have to know what you're doing before you do it and mm-hmm. don't I don't know personally I wouldn't unless they're extremely extremely successful in it I wouldn't take advice from someone my own age in trading specifically yeah. right like definitely ask an experience again it's all about experience so I'm not saying it's correlated to age mm-hmm. but more often than not someone that's 20 years older than me and has done this time and time again they've seen like a lot of ex- different markets exactly too. exactly they haven't seen like maybe if someone started investing a few years ago like things just run up a ton mm-hmm. although now we have seen it go down and back up and mm-hmm. all of that but I agree I think another thing a lot of people think oh I need a financial advisor or yeah like, it just sounds more complicated than it really is Mm -hmm. like if you just are putting it into a mutual fund like Mm -hmm. that's pretty safe you don't need a financial advisor right that's something I like that Ramit Sethi says too yes because the average is at what like nine percent a year around there yeah eight to ten or yeah somewhere between eight to ten yeah so I think it's just like a solid especially once again if you are a 20 some year old with a salary right now and like you're just finding small ways Mm -hmm. to like fill your cup long term like these are like the simple ways. Definitely. You know? Yeah. So yeah. I feel like that's, yeah, it's important. Um, even if it's boring. Right. I know. I know. This is like the boring stuff that people, I think, especially girls. But some people consider. are into it. Like, yeah. you know, if you want to start learning about it. Yeah. Yeah. And be savvy on your own. I mean, I think, right. That, that also goes into how you bought. I didn't, I didn't realize you guys bought, um, a townhome in Seattle. Yeah. You guys sell that or you guys still have it? We that? still have it. Okay. Cause my sister has lived in it the whole time. Oh, okay. Okay. And, um, now we're both going to move. Uh, I've only lived in it this summer because mm-hmm. I didn't want to have a lease cause I yeah. wanted to buy a place for me to live in, uh-huh. but I don't know if I'm going to, it depends if I'm here or right. LA, whatever. Right. But we're most likely going to lease it out because we do like that house. Like yeah. see, wanting to live in it again sometime mm-hmm. but yeah so we have that one but the one that's more documented on youtube is the yeah, palm springs the house. palm springs house yeah can you share that, that experience because i feel like you know a lot of people uh within their 20s have has not bought a home like that mm-hmm. and you renovated it right yeah, yeah you did renovation i, I remember seeing so much yeah that's what i'm saying i was like you got to share some knowledge you you bought it you renovated it and then you sometimes live there but then mostly rent it out or is it yeah. only renting it out just renting it out but okay. then i'll go stay at it so it is a Every vacation rental okay okay Airbnb, yeah which it's interesting because back then and it's just yours or is it your you and your sister me and my sister oh, okay okay yeah so back at when we first started it it was a different I guess people thought of Airbnb differently mm-hmm. and so did I I was like oh that seems really cool now I I can see how people are a little more like oh I hate Airbnb making it harder for other people to buy a house the housing market in general like if why is that because if if a bunch of people just have Airbnbs in a neighborhood it's harder if just you want to buy a house to live in oh true true yeah. okay okay I get it so I get I'm that like, part. yeah I kind of acknowledge that where Okay, I don't know if I would go back in time and do it again, knowing what I know now for that reason where I'm like, okay, this isn't great for the greater good of like, okay, so, so that's like more of a selfless reason then, right? Like, kind you're doing it like I just yeah. think about that. But then also, 
it's not something where it's bringing in some crazy cash flow. Okay. Um, but it ended up being a good project for me because I could make a lot of videos about it. Mm -hmm. But I mean, at the time when I first got that house, I thought it was going to like make a lot more money. Okay. But I've been more real about that on YouTube, how much it makes. Like I share all of that because I'm like, people should, should know. Um, so yeah, I don't like sell a course on Airbnb or anything. Yeah. Yeah. I just share that. But Basically, I around the time that we purchased that house, yeah. I would even look in LA. Oh, I kind of want to, you know, I think I could buy something. Yeah. But you just don't get a lot for your money there. Yeah. In Palm Springs, you could get an actual house. Mm-hmm. And we were really familiar with the area because mm-hmm. we have family friends that have a place there that yeah. we would go visit. Okay. Um, and I love home renovation shows and everything. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I'd love to do that. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah. So my sister and I toured a bunch of places during covid time and then we ended up finding this one it was off market so Mm -hmm. our real estate agent found it Mm -hmm. it was just someone in the neighborhood who was selling it and they didn't want to put it on the market because they didn't want to stage it and all of that okay Okay. which is a good way to find a house because then you don't end up in a bidding war right that kind of thing it's just hard to find those yes good tip is like real estate agents oftentimes might find them if they're really like local to the area got it know that um or i know people literally send out flyers or they'll like look up houses yeah there's like ways online you can find addresses and whatever Mm -hmm. it's a numbers game though i feel like it's kind of hard to find an off-market deal like that right so that was a matter of like having a good real estate agent so we bought that house and i have like all the numbers online if people are interested in like diving into Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. um but we did buy it in 2020 okay so when interest rates were lower yeah so it is crazy to see now if i were to buy that same house Mm -hmm. i mean the monthly cost would be double right it's wild yeah the interest rates are bad right now yeah Yeah. definitely um they're high yeah (laughs) yeah but we renovated that house. I learned a lot doing that. How long did the renovation take? I remember seeing it, it like bits and pieces on your yeah. story and of course like Instagram and whatnot, just like the process of doing that because mm-hmm. it looks very different, right? Yeah. Like from like how it was, right? We redid a lot, completely redid the backyard except the pool was already there. Mm-hmm. Redid the kitchen, floors, and one of the bathrooms. Okay. So it's a, the house had good bones. Okay. It, it's a cool mid-century like architectural house. Yeah. So we didn't want to like mess with that. Yeah. Um, but the kitchen I would say was kind of like a 90s look. So we gave it like walnut cabinets, a little more mid-century, but kind of more modern too. Mm-hmm. Um. The renovation took a really long time, though. I think we spent, like, a whole year on it. Oh, wow. at okay. times, we weren't even there. Like, we took our time, really. You can do a renovation quicker, but they generally say any renovation, it's going to be double the cost and take double the time. Right. Because contractors are, they're not, uh, I don't want to be, like, rude about but i've actually heard this uh too from a real estate friend who's actually been yeah. on the podcast she said this about a contractor or they just won't show up yeah yeah, yeah. she she publicized it's it normal. about like a hamptons house that she was doing mm-hmm. and i think she said the same thing on instagram how like this contract it was just like really poor execution yeah. a lot of time they they won't show up especially <laughs> if you've already paid them uh, they'll start multiple projects uh, mm. they'll start a new one before they finish yours wow it's they're just not always the most professional like i think some of them, it's like handwritten like invoices yeah. and stuff. Oh, like, interesting. It's not like what we're used to, I think, with a more digital type of job. Like yeah. things are just more organized. But right. 
that's tricky. And you also don't know, like I had some contractors that just didn't do a very good job. Right. And how, yeah. how did you manage like all of that though? And then like, especially calculating if renovating would be worth it, right? Like how, like what's, can you break it down maybe the simplest way possible yeah. of, okay, you're looking at the, the price of the house and then estimating how much renovation would be and then estimating, I guess, how much you could rent this out. Yeah. And like, I was basically just so off on all the numbers. Oh, really? Okay. So off. Like, I mean, but that's like a lot of mental calculations. And it's really hard to know because... <laughs> With renovations, it can depend on your area. Exactly. Labor will cost more in different areas. Yeah. For the most part, labor is the most expensive part of it. Okay. The materials are probably like half, less than half in labor. It's probably like materials a third, mm -hmm. labor two thirds. So yeah. if you can do anything yourself and you're handy, you'll save a ton of money. Okay. Which I've learned more of that stuff. And okay. I actually found I kind of enjoy it too. It's kind of therapeutic to right, right. paint or tile or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you can save a lot that way. But I was so off, like, I really had no idea how much, especially landscaping, mm. pouring concrete, the backyard was the most expensive thing. Oh, okay. I just had no idea. And I thought I had researched, but um, I probably was idealizing it a bit. Mm -hmm. Oh, we can redo a kitchen. We can do an Ikea kitchen, whatever. Once you start tearing into the walls, you're like, well, they're open. We should rewire this. This is the time to replumb something. Right. Everything ends up being more expensive mm. that way. Mm. But I also just didn't know that, you know, a kitchen renovation, it's probably not going to be ten dollars or $15,000. It's more likely going to be $30,000. Oh, wow. For even like a somewhat, it wasn't that big of a kitchen. Okay. Um, was it was it all worth it? Like in terms of like once you guys, I don't know how much you, you shared on YouTube in terms yeah. of like, were you able to recognize there will be a guarantee return even with all these renovations, the cost of the renovations? I think it, it has been worth it mm -hmm. because the house, it pretty much looks like it'll break even this year okay. in terms of like, I won't have to pay any expenses for it. Okay. We'll see by the end of the year. It's harder in Palm Springs. Like it's a very regulated market. So you can only rent your house out 36 times a year to 36 different groups. Oh. So you can't, that makes it harder because Did you guys know that before buying the house? Yeah. Oh, okay, but we okay. like that area. We knew we were going to use the house a lot ourselves. Okay. So that's part of it. I think it's a good thing. It's like it makes it so that city isn't going to have a ton of real estate investors who are never there. Mm. Like we're there and like we know our neighbors and we mm. know like a lot of people in Palm Springs. Like yeah. I actually feel more plugged into the community there. Okay. Then if they didn't have that, there would be it would be like Scottsdale. Okay. A ton of Airbnbs. The owners right. are never there. That's true. They're like. A lot cheaper. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I get that. Okay, interesting. Good and bad. Good for the city. Good for the neighborhood. Yeah. I guess not good if you're trying to make a lot of money. Right. Um, I feel like if you are someone looking to get into Airbnb, I've done so much research now. Yeah. The best thing, a unique stay in an area where you know you can rent it out and like mm -hmm. there's some sort of regulations in place but they're they're gonna let you rent it out a lot um like an a-frame tree mm -hmm. houses those do the best okay yeah interesting but yeah i Good think ours has been worth it because if it breaks even and i'm able to use it and the house has appreciated in value yeah and um every year there's like ten thousand dollars into the equity that essentially by renting it out we have paid for yeah so it's been worth it because the home appreciated a lot. Yeah. But it, I don't know. It's like that was luck. Okay. I mean, who knew who knew that the housing market was going to go that crazy? Right. I don't know. You can't always count on right. the home appreciation. Totally. Totally. Did. did you did you and your sister have 
savings set aside intentionally to eventually like buy a home and do this? Or was it kind of spur of the moment or like within the months where you're like, hey, like this came up on the market or like, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like, or did you guys have intention that you wanted to do this and eventually rent out an Airbnb? Yeah, we had the intention for a while. Uh And because I'm just always a saver, like I'm just always kind of like saving money for something like that, I guess. I I don't know. Okay. I just am always sort of like that. I'm like, I know I want to invest in something. Yeah. And then once we landed on Palm Springs, it was probably like the idea was in our head for a full year, I would say. Mm Mm-hmm. Probably four to six months of seriously looking before finding the house. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess I just always had the intention of, oh, I want to own a home one day. Yeah. So And so I you just really always save. had a good amount of savings, too. Do, yeah. you, do you have a percentage you would, like, recommend for anyone? Like, if, if anyone wants to be really savvy with saving the way you have, what's, like, a basic percentage of total income you're doing? How much would you say you have you would put aside to, like, have substantial savings? Oh my God, it's so hard because right. it just depends on each month. Right. And also what the job is. Like, I'll be real with YouTube. It's, I was like a high earner doing that. Yeah. I'm making less this year, but just in general, I would, there are months where I saved like 90% of my income, but it's because I was like making a lot and not spending, especially living in Seattle. I spent a lot less. You save 90%? Like, only certain months where I made a lot, though. Okay, but, but then, like, if I you're, mean, yeah. like, on average, then, what, are you saving 30%? Yeah, probably that or more. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I, I just... Saying, that's really, really good, that's really good. Save. Yeah. Wow, okay, see, that's, like, the thing, though, right? It's, like, for people listening who want to, like, do what you were able to do, also, it's, like, you have to be able to save that much, Yeah. right? Which but I, I can't th- say a lot of people have that discipline. Yeah, but I also found something where, like... I didn't feel like I had to be super disciplined mm-hmm. because I was I found a job where I was making a good amount. Yeah. And leaning into that. Like f- when you f- if you find something that works and like yeah. I've always had goals like I write down like this is how much I want to make in a year even mm-hmm. if it sounds crazy like there's something to it where you kind of start looking for ways to do that or mm-hmm. it I think it's important like if you can't even write down how much you want to make like you clearly don't believe that you can do it true like it's true. the first step in believing that you can do right. it so it's important to like have those goals yeah so I think that's the first thing is recognizing like I have a goal of how much I want to make mm-hmm. it will help you earn more because I feel like that's that's such top thing. of mind then like, yeah it comes and like I agree with that I think it becomes like a mental thing because that's yeah. all you start to envision and then you start to like practice like habits that like work towards that yeah like at least that happened for me when I got into like entrepreneur world you know yeah definitely I'm curious about travel hacks really quick like do you have any travel credit cards you'd recommend because I know you travel quite a bit like you are a traveler definitely a traveler (laughs) and so like you know especially for anyone who's a longtime follower of you definitely is probably curious like what are your travel hacks and it's considering you're a saver right like and you're not like a huge you know what I mean so I'm like here I'm personally curious too Uh because I know Natalie and I talked about like our personal travel hacks and like she Mm -hmm. talked about credit cards but yeah I do love the Delta Reserve Amex card okay I fly Delta a lot okay um but what I did because I know Delta can be more expensive a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. I just one year looked up 
my flight confirmations and saw which airline I had flew the most in the past year, and it was Delta. Okay. Just by chance of what companies, if I had worked with, if someone booked my flight right. working with a company, it was Delta. It was, you know, they're a big airline. So right. I would say look up the one that is that works for you in that way. Right. I did get the Delta Reserve card. It's $500 a year. Okay. Um, but you get lounge access when you fly Delta, and I fly enough that it's worth it. Right. And, like, I never spend money on food when I'm at the airport. Really? And oh, okay, okay. Because I because yeah, lounge you're access. <laughs> yeah. And I have even had days where, like, I flew to San Francisco one day, for example. I had breakfast, lunch, and dinner at the airport lounge. Oh, my gosh. You can go in right. the Delta Sky Club <laughs> after you land. A lot of people don't really? know that. Yeah. Oh, if you fly a- Delta. <laughs> so you can go and, like, get a snack. The only time you don't want to is if you're in a hurry or you checked a bag. Yeah, but You true. can still check a bag and, like, they'll hold it for you somewhere and you can yeah. go, like, eat really quick. Like, I've done so that smart. if I just, like, want to. I regretted actually not doing it when I landed here. <laughs> Because I got food that in the airport. So I was like, you. why did I do I that? I love that. I think another thing, because the, I will say, like, if you don't travel that often, not worth it to get those credit cards. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah, just that, because. And, and what, what would you say often? Like, how often are you flying, for example? Probably multiple times a month. Yeah. At least right. twice that's a month. Right. Yeah. You think about. That is such, like, the life of us, you know, nomad entrepreneur, YouTube creators. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel I like we're kind of always. I don't mean to, and I always say I'm going to travel less, but then I come but up sometimes it's with just a video worth, idea right? yeah. to go. I'm like, oh my God, this treehouse property that's in Texas. And yeah. Like, yeah. But that would be, like, what Ramit Sethi calls, like, your money dial, right? Like, yeah. you know, the he references, like, money dials, as he puts it, is like, instead of budgeting where you even everything out, mm-hmm. you, pri- you prioritize spending your money in one to three areas of life Mm -hmm. that like bring you joy and like actually bring you the return so like for someone it could be coffee for someone it could be designer bags for someone else it could be travel yeah you know what i mean it's just like you gotta you gotta be self-aware of what brings you that joy because for someone like might not care much about designer bags but loves to always fly honestly like first class or whatever because they travel frequently and the comfort matters you know yeah so i think that's why i've learned to like judge less on how people spend because it's like as long as it brings the return right i'm not big into buying I guess like designer yeah things as much because I value real estate even yeah. though I like that right? stuff <laughs> uh, and I like appreciate it but I'm just like oh it like hurts me to do that because I'm like but uh, yeah. yeah even though I want to sometimes but um I have two more hacks yeah one that I've been doing recently as I travel um pack protein bars oh yeah the amount of times i've spent money on like postmates breakfast because there was nothing around or whatever or i just get really hungry and the only thing around and you're traveling you're not home i think i i brought uh three protein bars i'll bring one for each day yeah just you'll never regret it it comes in handy that's so true and that's so true yeah it will tide you over so that you don't end up spending like 15 or 20 dollars because the only thing around is like whatever that is um but I still, you know, love to eat, like, my actual meals, but it right. just comes in handy, so I'm not... Especially when you're just, like, hungry yeah. and you need something immediately. Yeah. yeah. That's when you make, like, a rash decision on something. Yeah. Um, and then the other one is I want, like, anytime I go somewhere, mm-hmm. especially Europe or New York, I take the public transportation as much as I can. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel that. I just find it to be more convenient. I know mm-hmm. I used to not, though. I would rely on Uber. You're going to spend way more on Ubers. Yeah. Like, that's what I like about being in New York, too. You can take the subway. It's way cheaper. Right. You can walk. 
And then you can also yeah. create like boundaries of like this is this is what I do. Like if I'm out at night, I definitely will like safety wise will take a car home. Mm-hmm. But like if I know I'm gonna at go to night, dinner, yeah. Sure. But it's like if I know if I know especially when like go out later that night and I know like I'm running to and from like meetings or whatever, I really try my best to leave early so I can use mm-hmm. the subway and save money that way. But just like being mindful about that stuff, you totally, know. Totally. And I just think it's like like you said, getting in the habit of thinking about that stuff and like knowing like okay, these are the times I'll be willing to spend on a car it'll be i don't know after 9 p.m and yeah. it's like everything before that it's like i was subway yeah stuff like that you know a big one too is like an uber to and from the airport mm-hmm. that is easily if i mean here gonna be like yeah 70 usually yep. at least yeah um but i always check where i'm going do they have a train into the city like i went to chicago recently and realized yeah. like oh it's like five dollars you just take a train yeah it took a little bit longer but i was there for like I wasn't, I don't know, I, I wasn't in a big hurry, so yeah. I was fine with it. Right. Yeah. It's, like, like, so funny, though. I love how you talk about how much you save and, like, you're mindful about these things when some might be, like, oh, like, why do you need to if you're doing so financially well? Mm-hmm. But then also the argument is, like, well, you can only be doing so financially well if you're also mindful with yeah. how you spend money. And it's just never guaranteed, yeah. too. Like, yeah. I keep that in mind where I'm, like, oh, what, you know... I don't think I would get canceled, like, yeah. knock on wood. But, you right, know, right. if short form takes over and, like, for example, I know, like, this year I am making less than last year. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, I'm really glad that I you put saved aside. a lot and invested yeah. and didn't just, like, spend all, all of it on, like, I don't know, renting yeah. a boat or something random. For I actually sure. wanted to buy a boat. It's so funny. Oh, really? I was like, oh, that'd be so fun in Seattle in the summer. But I'm like, Shelby, no, do that when you are, like have more time because yeah. that's a lot of maintenance like that's right. I, it just sounded fun but. yeah <laughs> like, oh, that's funny yeah. I could see you I could see you saying fun. that okay well I want to ask you two questions from the car game last few questions okay okay first one what are the top two you look for in a romantic partner physical chemistry lifestyle compatibility emotional compatibility and intellectual compatibility Oh my god! Wait, can I see the card? Yeah, yeah. So like, see this one. Oh, you yeah, know, that, one, so that one's like a whole like, list. Yeah, clearly lifestyle compatibility is low because I'm in a long distance relationship. Oh, are you guys really? Yeah. I didn't know. I was always wondering. Are you guys like still long distance? Yeah. Damn. <laughs> I know. So I'm like, okay. You guys lifestyle. probably have some really good uh, communication skills. Yeah, but it's fun because we go on a lot of trips. Too. Okay, I've always heard that, especially from entrepreneur friends that are in long distance. They often see each other still frequently because they yeah. fly often. So then it almost doesn't feel long distance like compared to a traditional one because mm-hmm. because both are entrepreneurs or like they do their own thing basically and they're often able to travel or have a reason to be like, hey, do you want to come to this too? Yeah. So I kind of like that lifestyle. It I don't is know. the only way it works. Yeah. Like if we both had nine to fives, there would just be no time. Right, right. But I can kind of plan things out where, oh, I'll be in Greenville and I'll be editing. And yeah. I still have something to work on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we make that work. That's cool. Um, I like that. Yeah, so that one definitely not I would say physical chemistry is important and uh, emotional intellectual intellectual uh, I would say emotional over intellectual although those are tough it's like if you had to pick like rank at top two which would it be I would say physical and emotional yeah yeah okay second one if you had to pick one what is the most important value you would teach your children honesty kindness or courage um oh my gosh honesty kindness or courage I feel like kindness yeah I feel like that's what matters like at the end of your life you know yeah. what I mean like were yeah. you a good person I feel like that yeah. yeah courage is really important too though yeah like for me it'd be tough. it would be between honesty and kindness yeah I think kindness and then honesty mm-hmm. and then courage 
Yeah, being truthful. Yeah. <laughs> okay, last two questions. Do you have a book recommendation that you would share with the audience oh that you gosh. feel like is valuable? It could be business, finance, uh, fiction, personal development. I'm trying to think of what books I've read recently. Oh, I love Atomic Habits. Oh, okay. That's yeah, such, that's it's such a, a good classic. I've yeah. someone said it before, but that book really, like, not only does it motivate you to build better habits, mm-hmm. but I feel like you end up actually doing it whereas yeah. a lot of books you'll read things and learn it but like I don't know yeah if you can take away one I feel like you're probably not going to remember everything from every book but if yeah. you can take away one thing that's helpful that one has helped me yeah his newsletter his email newsletter is really good oh yeah you, you should subscribe, subscribe. It's, it's a really good one yeah um okay well last question it's something I ask every guest on the show mm-hmm. but in reflection of your life and your career journey and even like your relationship what would you say ultimately fulfills you in life? Oh my gosh, it's kind of a tough question. <laughs> I feel like the most fulfilling thing is just like listening to what I actually want to do mm. and doing it, which can be harder. I don't, yeah. I don't know because, for example, I make a lot of videos. Sometimes some I think are going to do well. Uh-huh. Sometimes it's not super fulfilling, but sometimes I just like want to make it and I don't care if it's going to do well. Okay. Listening to whatever that is, like doing stuff mm. that's not always for the money, taking a risk on it even yeah, yeah, yeah. has been the more fulfilling thing. Mm. Just following what I'm intrinsically motivated by, I mm. guess, is I like pretty much that. always more fulfilling than chasing the numbers on something. It's always more fulfilling. Kind of just listening to your intuition on that, which can be hard to do. I really like that. Yeah, you shared a lot of great nuggets today. (laughs) Thank you so much, Shelby. Where can everyone find you? Share your YouTube channel, your social media handles, wherever. Yeah, Shelby Church on everything. YouTube, Instagram, even TikTok. Yeah, you're on TikTok. (laughs) Yeah, like I try and post here and there. I'm not, I don't take it as seriously, but it's fun. Yeah. Yeah, all of that. Amazing. Well, thank you for coming. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. This is awesome. And that was all for today's episode with my lovely friend, Shelby Church. If you enjoyed this conversation, please be sure to share this episode on your Instagram, tag the podcast Instagram at what fulfills you and my personal one at Emily E. Duong. And if you have any other feedback or you're curious about anything, just send me a DM. I always love chatting with you guys and hearing your thoughts on the different episodes that have been coming out lately and of course anything that you want more of. So thank you again for tuning in. As always, I will chat with you all in the next one.